Hello, storytellers. I've got some great news. Your story is your way forward. Being able to tell your story, not write templated copy, is how you will set yourself apart. And if you need help telling your story, I've got a free resource for you at alicefairfax.com checklist. It's called The Five Things Your Story Needs to Create an Impact. That checklist will give you a list of elements you need to make sure are in every story, from a tweet to a TED Talk. When you download it, you're automatically signed up for my e-newsletter, and you'll be first in line for the Tell Your Story digital course. So make sure you're on the list and sign up at alicefairfax.com checklist. Now, let's get into this episode of the Story Maven podcast. Hello, storytellers. This week on the Story Maven podcast, my friend Rob Lott joins us. He is the host of the Leading Creative Podcast. And his company, Blue Trumpet Creative, helps people apply the lessons of creativity to their teams and to their leadership and vision. So I'm excited for you to hear from him today. We're going to talk all about how your story impacts your leadership. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to the Story Maven podcast, where we meet great storytellers who share their secrets to opening a story loop, engaging an audience, and telling a great story. I'm your host, Alice Fairfax. I was a Walt Disney World performer for over 20 years, and now I teach busy nonprofit leaders and entrepreneurs how to turn data into story. Because what I know from being an improv storyteller is that you can increase your impact and grow your audience just by telling a great story. So if you're overwhelmed by your social media calendar or dealing with pre-speech jitters, the Story Maven podcast is here to help you tell your story. Always fascinated by the progression and the process, and like where you see the threads in your life and in your journey. And so, I start with kind of a version of Krista Tippett's question. I don't know if you know Krista Tippett from On Being. No, she go ahead. Has an incredible, um, it was a radio show or before a pod, before podcasts were a thing, Krista Tippett was a thing. Um, and she interviews people about um, their spiritual journey and their spiritual practice um, as experts in their field. And she always starts with, where do you see the seeds of this in your formation when you were growing up? Hmm. And so I like that question as it relates to us creatives, like yes. where do you see the seeds of that? And as you're thinking about that, I'll share with our listeners that you are, Rob Lott, you are an actor and you are a singer um, and not just a singer, but like an acapella barbershop so that's because it would drill on in there <laughs> you can do the regular singing but acapella barbershop is a specific skill set uh, um, you are um, a podcaster you are a writer you are a director like of plays and of shows and performances um, what else am I missing? You are a musician. You actually play an instrument. <laughs> <as well. laughs> so you see where I'm getting at here is like, yeah. where do you see the seeds of this 
And, and then we'll talk about how all these threads kind of come together with what you're doing now. But there's yeah. a lot of seeds. <laughs> there is. There is a lot. I have, it, it's interesting that you asked that question. And I was like, oh, I don't, yeah, that what, how would I answer that question? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have come to the realization in the last couple of years uh, that I am, I, I believe that there are two kinds of people in this world. Um, and uh, what is the saying? There are three kinds of people in this world, those who can count and those who can't. Uh, <laughs> Just a joke. I, that's not a that's, saying. That's not a lot. saying? Okay. All right. Uh, no, there's two kinds of people in this world, um, opportunity seizers and goal setters. And I think that I think that we all have the capacity and ability to do both, but we tend to lean toward one or the other. And uh, my wife is a goal setter. And uh, my wife, Kate, uh, she's fantastic. She's a goal setter. She has, and she plans it out and she, she gets it done. I, however, am an opportunity seizer. And uh, for me, you know, if, if I have a goal in place and I'm like, well, but then I don't have the freedom to jump at opportunities. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so what I've noticed, what I've seen is, um, you know, if, if you ever hear of me giving a talk or a class or anything, a, 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 a podcast episode about goal setting don't listen to it and skip over that because i don't know what i'm talking about uh <laughs> you're, you're you're basically doing an analysis of your wife's behavior Got it. <laughs> well she's Got great it. at it yeah if she yeah exactly you're, you're absolutely right yeah i would have her on as a guest so please explain to people how goals work uh but for me i'm, I'm an opportunity seizer and that is what i have seen uh, for years and years and years, uh, that I'm I'm just a jump in and give it a try kind of guy, and uh, you know my my wife, um, sorry, so so jumping back then I like I just when when you talk about all of these different things that I do, I, it comes from a place of just as soon as I saw my very first show, as soon as I stepped into my very very first theater. Um, which I believe, honestly, and try not to laugh, I think my very first theater that I stepped into was Chuck E. Cheese. And, well, well you know, yeah. Right? So I step, yeah. into, I step into this space and, you know, they got the tables and everything lined up and we're all eating pizza and then the lights go down and the curtain opens and there's a show happening. And I was like, and I could not take my eyes off of it. I couldn't stop watching this. And I say all of that to say that was kind of the first seed that was dropped of going, I want to be a part of this. I, mm. I don't realize what, uh, what just happened was so jarring to me. Everybody stopped what they were doing and they paid attention to what was happening on the other side of that curtain. And, uh, and so from there, I, I realized, and uh, when I got to Orlando, I met other people like me, but I found um, that I, I come from a rare breed of people who has always known what he wanted to do who has always known what they wanted to do. Um, and, and that, and that for me was, I wanted to be in show business. I wanted to be in and around near on backstage on stage, just somewhere. I wanted to be around it. I wanted to be in it. I wanted to be on it. I wanted to be around it as whatever way that I could for show business. I just wanted to have a part in it. And so because of that, I, I think I jumped into every opportunity where a show was happening. I jumped, I jumped at that opportunity. And so I'll, if do that that. Meant, <laughs> I'll do that. So if that meant running a spotlight, like I, I'll do that. If that meant, um, 
you know, raising the flies up and down, I'll do that. If that meant stepping on stage and saying lines as an actor in the play, I will do that. If that meant, hey, uh, there's a concert happening and uh, people are gonna be getting on stage here at the end of the year, but you need to learn how to play an instrument before you're allowed to step on stage. So yeah, okay, then I guess I'll learn how to do that. And um, so that was the, then all of that, I think is what put me in this place of, of <laughs> you know, I, I began to have thoughts and opinions about how all of the different things were coming together for shows and plays and musicals and any concert that I would go to, I would go, I, I you know, I, I would have done that a little differently. Um, how old I, do you think you were when that started? Oh, seven. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh no, I'm, I am with you. Five. Yeah. He, yeah. I yeah. I, five. I, I, I asked my dad going... why I couldn't be president. yeah yeah so i so i I think um just from watching and going why did they do it that way and i would have done it differently and why is you know how is this happening and wanting to learn about the the hows and the whys and the what's of theater and show business and all of it um and so i think that is what set me up to be um to want to go down the path of directing um you know i I don't necessarily believe, I do have thoughts about everything that happens on stage and everything that is there, be it a prop, a set, a costume piece, um, the delivery of a line, the, um, the, 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 the singing of a song. Um, I, I have thoughts on all of those things. And at the same time, what I love to do is gather experts around me um, who drill down into those specific areas and they are absolutely experts in those certain areas. And I love leading that team. Um, so that for me is, is getting into the, the, getting into the directing piece. Um, I know just enough about all of it because learning a little bit about all of it is what allowed me, that was my, my entrance fee to be able to be allowed and near and on a stage was learning a little bit about all of it. Um, and so I did, but I never, I never really focused on any one thing. I just, I wanted to learn about all of it. And so that's what led me down the path of directing. And, but I do, I, I, I love it. I love all of it. And yeah, so, I, I mean, so yeah, that was, that was the seeds. That was the seeds of it. Yeah. When I, when I met you, you were a staging specialist, specialist uh-huh. and a puppeteer. So, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> come to fruition. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and a staging specialist, I should explain, that is um, a person at Disney World. It's a, uh, a, a kind of a classification of person who helps with the show quality to make so if yes. the director comes in and gives a vision and directs the show and says, you go here and you're going to do this and this is our vision, then the sta- staging specialist helps to maintain that because yeah. we have a unique situation at Disney World Maybe it's not that unique in terms of touring programs, touring shows, Broadway touring well, shows, some more similar to that. But we are doing a show 13 times a day, 15 times a day, eight times a day, four times a day, um, every single day with multiple casts. And so and I think that's the sure, difference. Yeah, making sure the multiple it's the casts, same. multiple people. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's the that's the difference of what most theater companies don't have to deal with. You get a cast. You might have understudies, you might have swings, uh, but for the most part, you get a cast, and that is the cast for the show. Whereas at Walt Disney World and really theme park entertainment in general, if you're open seven days a week, 365 days a year, uh, you're not going to have the same cast every day ever. Um, <laughs> it is always going to be changing. So there was a team of about a hundred of us. 
uh, that kept an eye on all of the parades and shows. My specialty, my focus was in puppetry uh, at Walt Disney World, and uh, but there were there were people whose specialty and focus was on you know character kickball performance change. and yeah, yeah kickball change exactly. So yeah, but I that I love that job and it's fun. It was it's a fun thing. Next time that you are at Walt Disney World, anybody visiting. Um, to look across as you were watching the shows, look who might be sitting in the audience, also with the name tag, but sitting in the audience with a little notepad, and uh, and and they are they are watching the shows yeah, and just making sure, specialist. like you say, exactly like you say, they are watching the shows and making sure that they are meeting the expectations not only of our of our creative team but also of our guests coming to the coming to the parks. So tell me about um, you growing up. Where did you, you said you came to Orlando? So where did you grow up? Tell me about your family and what your experiences were. Were you playing baseball and then decided to join the choir? I mean, tell I know I literally know nothing about that, which is surprising to me. No, it's true. Um, we've known each other for a long time, but yeah, we've yeah. never had like this kind of conversation. It was right. always it was we were always working on projects and things together, and it was always the task <laughs> at hand. Let's work on that. Well, I love this. Okay, so yeah, I grew up in Ohio. And uh, a little little town between Akron and Canton called Green, Ohio. And um, I always say I, I grew up in Green, Ohio. I went to Green High School where our colors were orange and black. And yeah, as <laughs> this this is how we just this is what we decided to do. And 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 thus is born a director. Could we, could <laughs> we really doing it this way? <laughs> could, is there a way we could integrate? No. Okay. No, no. We're uh, okay. All right. This is okay. Uh, yeah. So, so I grew up there and yeah, it was definitely now. Um, okay. So it, it was again, talking about the seeds and everything growing up. Um, yes, I knew where I knew what I wanted to do very early on. And so I jumped at, I jumped at the chance at, at every school play. Um, I did have a go at T-ball and little league baseball. I had a go at it. What I learned was I liked playing the role of a baseball player. I liked putting on the costume. <laughs> I liked putting on the costume. The coach would always, you know, I, I love sliding into every single base uh, because that's what they did in the movies and on TV and stuff. That was the only part that I ever saw. Uh, but the games were long and they were boring. And I realized, oh, this, I have no desire. And you know what I actually, you know what I want to do actually? I want to be the guy who picks the music to play for every, every batter as they step up to the, you know, I, I want to be the guy who's creating all of that. Have you heard of the Savannah Bananas? Oh, yes. Yeah, Fantastic. I am fascinated. I heard about by them this. on the Story Brand uh, yes, podcast. Yes, I am fascinated. <laughs> I think that is the kind of baseball I could get into. And, yeah. you know, for if listeners, if you don't know, um, the what, what do you call listeners? Do you have a name for them? Or do they, are they story your audience? Your, your Storytellers. Story storytellers. Storytellers. <laughs> Storytellers, uh, if you don't know, look up the Savannah Bananas. Uh, they say Ooh. that I think they say uh, we are we are a circus that happens to have a baseball game. Yes. Um, you know, a, a circus that's interrupted by a baseball game or something like that. Yeah, talking uh, yeah, about they, great storytelling, they are constantly yes. telling their story through every single thing they do, and they are about connection with their audience. That's what yeah. they do. Yeah, and they and. They happen to play baseball. <laughs> Just, oh yeah. Oh, that's that's right. We we all came here to do this thing, I guess. All right. Well, everybody, take off your hula skirts and let's play the game now. Uh, all right. So, uh, okay. So so growing up in Ohio, I loved it. Loved growing up in the Midwest. Um, 
and and so I went to Green High School, jumped at every chance, uh, doing school plays and musicals and playing instruments and doing all of that stuff, singing in the show choir and all of that. Um, but I also, my parents were really um, particular and specific. We they they chose a church based on the youth group. Actually, they didn't choose mm. the church based on. Uh, on the teaching from the main pulpit, they knew it's like we, our parents were like, "We will be fine. We have our more moral compass. We're all set. We're going to be okay." Uh, but we need to find a church to raise our kids to get their moral compass set. Uh, you know, have partners in this so that they, you know, they can help with that. And so there was a um, before mega churches were mega churches. Um, there was there was a church in Akron, Ohio, um, that was one of the first um, known mega churches. Now. Uh, I know mega churches kind of get a bad rap these days, but here's here's what I'll say is that if you truly, and I don't want to get too much into this, but truly, if if you take a look at the budgets of what they are doing, um, more percentage goes out than of this particular church that I was associated mm -hmm. with. More percentage of the money goes out of the church than what stays in. But because of the sheer numbers of what they were doing, um, they did have just a bigger budget to be able to pay for staff, um, get good people for that. But also it was a church that valued the arts and valued creativity and valued music and valued storytelling. And so we are going to find ways to tell these stories um, that are that are out of the ordinary and will change, that can help change people's minds and save some people's lives and change some people's lives in the way that we tell the stories. And so because of that, they of course there would be big giant Christmas concerts and big giant Easter concerts, but then there were also stuff in between that were big giant productions that I got to be around and working with professionals. Remember I said like, you know, I raised my hand when I was seven years old to be a part of it uh and so and they welcomed me and they said yeah we have a place for you it's, be here and there's literally not only was i doing stuff at school on stage backstage around stage wherever stage uh, but then also at church i would you know on sundays saturdays wednesday nights all of it i would go and and be able to get that same experience of production. And there were times when I was on stage, but also times I was running spotlights and times I was, you know, helping out with music and just mm -hmm. doing, you know, creating all of that stuff. Uh, and they put me on a path where I, that was the stuff that I could not wait to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I remember hearing, um, you know, as I was growing up in, in school and in church and everything, uh, you know, there, there's of course a big a big push for missions, uh, you know, missionary work, and and I was like, oh man, like, am I a am I a bad person because I don't want to do that? No, <laughs> and I'm just not interested in doing that. Am I a bad person that I don't want to travel to the other side of the world and share this message? Am I really? A, why is that? And somebody thankfully set me down, and I was like, I feel like I'm not a good person for this. <laughs> and they set me down, and they go, you're not made for that. That's not what you are meant to do. And yes, we're going to continue. The world needs missionaries. And so we're going to continue asking for people to do that. And we're going to continue giving tr uh, training and, and, and guidance for people who are made for that and built for that and should be doing that. But that's not you. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, the thumbprint of God on you is theater, is performance, is show business, is creativity, is art, is singing, is dancing. That is that is the thumbprint of God on you. That is what you're made to do. And I remember years and years and years later, um, there is a line from Chariots of Fire 
uh, that says, um, when I run, I sense God's pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to be, not to be overly spiritual, but at the same time, there have been so many, it happened just last week. I was helping out with a show and I was standing on stage, uh, while they were focusing a light and I just, the, the light was not on me. So it wasn't the warmth of the light, <laughs> but I was standing on stage and I, and it was tech rehearsal, but I'm standing on stage and we're focusing these lights and I am loving every minute of that. And I sense, I was like, I am where I am supposed to be doing what I am supposed to be doing. Mm. This is what I'm made for. This is what I'm meant to do. And I've experienced that of stepping on stage at Walt Disney World and stepping on stage down the street at SeaWorld and, you know, just doing other various shows where I just that opening number starts and we step on stage and I just immediately have a comfort, a peace, a, a uh, just a sense of rest, mm-hmm. oddly. Um, you know, people talk about getting nervous and I definitely do get nervous. I still get butterflies before I step on stage. Um, but at the same time, it's once I'm on stage and once I'm doing it and once I've seen the audience and I've looked in the eyes of the other performers on stage with me, um, I have an immediate sense of peace and and that sense of this is where I belong. This is what I should be doing. Amazing. Yeah. I, and I mean, nerves, I think there's, and possibly because we've done it so many times, there's a level on which it's energy mm-hmm. rather than fear. If yeah. it's fear, then that's something different that you need to address. And then you need to really evaluate, is this where I belong? Um, but when I'm in that right place, I have a energy about it that is anticipatory that is excited that is ooh, I wonder what's gonna happen <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah but it's yeah not, it's an excitement it's of the fear. unknown right right and uh yeah and and to your point um you know people who experience true I I know people who have experienced honest to goodness real deal stage fright yeah and it, it is different than nervousness um yeah stage fright is a different thing and it's real um but uh then there then there and and for those people i go maybe this isn't for you or maybe right now this is not for you if you're experiencing this level of of fear you know this crippling fear then no this this might not be a place for you but if it's a matter of nervousness if it's a matter of excitement of what's going to happen let's get going let's get out there i want to see what's going to happen i'm i'm nervous because i don't know yeah. but I want to experience it. If it's that, then that's, yes. You, and you, you can could very learn well how be to right channel place. that. Totally. That you can learn how to channel. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. So tell me about what you are doing now. You have two, do you have two podcasts still or just the one? I, I t- technically I have three. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, there's a- Opportunity uh, Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> well, a buddy of mine, um, it's, it's one that we only do every now and then. We do about one, one episode a month. Uh, but a buddy of mine up in Atlanta, he has a company and he called me up and he said, Rob, you do podcasts. I guess, yeah. He goes, I shut down my podcast about a year or so ago, but I want to start it back up. Would you mind doing it and taking mm. over and, and let's co-host it together. And, you know, I'll bring the business, you bring the leadership and creativity. And, and so it's, it's kind of a, a how-to of the nuts and bolts of business. Um, and so he brings all the accounting information and all the HR stuff. <laughs> nice. And I bring the leadership and the creativity of, you know, how to think differently as, as business owners. But yeah, I have my own podcast called the Leading Creative Podcast, where we bridge the gap between leadership and creativity. 
and um we can talk more on that if you like. But then there's also um, my a podcast that came uh, as so many podcasts have out of this pandemic. Um, yes. It was it was funny. Um, I <laughs> there for a while. If you went onto Amazon and tried to buy a microphone, microphone oh. and headphones, they were sold out for no. <laughs> for months and months. Um, but <laughs> thankfully, I had gotten my stuff up and going uh, before before the pandemic started. But there was another podcast that I called up my sister and I said, "Hey, I have some extra time." Um, and I read a meme that said, you know, tag the person that you will forever get in trouble for laughing in church with. And, and that was my sister. And so just that was kind of the seed that like we're going to get in trouble all the time for, for laughing about things that are inappropriate to laugh about. And uh, and so that was the seed. And on that podcast, it's called Let's Talk Soon, the podcast. And on that one, uh, my sister is a is a, a published author and uh, and a teacher and I of course am an actor and a director and so on that podcast we talk about the things that we are reading about writing about thinking about and speaking up about and that kind of gave us a framework to meet up multiple times throughout the week and uh, have some good conversation and the the fun of that particular show is that we've never not known each other there was about mm -hmm. a year and a half when she didn't know me but she doesn't remember it very well <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, but we've never not known each other. And so uh, we have that history where literally just the other day, she was like, all right, I'm going to start a story. And you, as soon as you know what story I'm telling, then go ahead and jump in. And, and literally she, all she gave me was, okay, it was like early nineties, about 4 a.m. And I went, oh, yeah, we had a squirrel in our house. <laughs> Just goes, like name that tune. I can exactly, name that story in exact, four words. <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly that. So we have a shared history with each other that just makes conversation really easy and really fun. We know where each other is going. We know where each other's boundaries are. We know what is not funny to talk about, what is fun and absolutely. And but at the same time, we don't have really any boundaries with each other or with our uh, with our audience, we just, you know, we, we talk about the things that we are reading about, writing about, thinking about, and speaking up about. But that's the one I do with my sister, and that one's super fun. But then my other, my own podcast that I'm very passionate about is the Leading yeah. Creative Podcast. So which tell is me not about to that say, concept. Well, yeah, it's not to say uh, people will refer to it as, um, uh, or, or they will think that I think that I am the leading creative. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it is not that. Uh, here's what I landed on is, well, first, a couple of, of definitions. So um, leadership uh, for me, and I, I'm not the first person to say this, but um, it's just the simplest and I think the truest definition of leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence. You want to build and maintain your influence, as protect your influence as best as you can. The more influence you have, the more, the better of a leader you're going to be able to be, the, the more easily you will find leadership because of that influence that you have. Okay, so leadership is influence, but then let's talk about creativity. So for me, and it's a little bit clunky, it's not necessarily like a, a falls out of the, out of your mouth real easily definition, but it's what works for me. Uh, creativity is making something where there wasn't something before. And we all have that capacity. Okay, so everybody, it's it's a little pet peeve of mine whenever anybody refers to creativity and creatives as only um, only the arts. So only writers, only dancers, only singers, only musicians, only or or you know maybe they'll maybe they'll let it drift into marketing. 
marketing is creative, <laughs> you know, but I, I, believe I, I don't like it to be a noun, the creatives like that. Yes. That always makes me cuckoo. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so uh, along those lines, um, I believe very much, again, going back to um, creativity is making something where there wasn't something before. We all have the ability, the capacity to do that. And we all have areas in our lives where we are great at it. And don't get me anywhere near an Excel spreadsheet, please. Mm -hmm. Don't let me anywhere near that. I will mess it up. I will ruin everything. Administrative skills are not something that I am good at. And people will say, well, that's because, you know, you're not, you're not really good at, at administrative work. You're more of a creative, Rob. Right. Okay. Hold on though. <laughs> uh, who is, who's to tell me that somebody who is, who isn't gifted in administration is not also super creative, you that's know, the, their, I mean, their it, ability to problem solve and get a schedule put together that that pleases everyone that that you know fills in all of this that fills in all the circles and makes everything done and finished at the end that is amazing to me and that is an act of creativity and so i say that to say everybody is creative in some way shape or form but also everybody holds influence somewhere so if if that is true which it is Everyone holds influence somewhere and everybody has the capacity and ability to create. So if that is true, which it is, then, then leading creativity, leading creative is something that all of us need to learn how to do better. Um, but on a more practical level, I also just saw years and years ago, um, kind of a trend, especially in the theater world. Um, I think there's a lot of things that the theater does well. Um, creativity, we, we do very, very well in our thea theatrical production world. Leadership, I don't think that we do very well all the time. And uh, the, the way that I've seen it is I see a trend still happening, and this is what I'm kind of fighting against, is, oh my goodness, you are a fantastic piano player. Would you be the music director of the next show? Wow, what an amazing dancer you are. Would you choreograph the next show? Oh my goodness, you just, you played the lead in the show. How great were you? Would you want to direct the next one? And these, these individuals jump at those opportunities and go, well, this just, this is the next logical step. I have, I've been playing music my entire life. And so because of that, I am going to, yes, of course I will music direct the next thing. Not realizing, yes, they understand the creative, but they don't necessarily understand the leadership piece and they step into that leadership role and realize pretty quickly, uh-oh, I have already lost some influence right away because I wasn't necessarily prepared. Or, uh, you know, I, I blew up at somebody because I thought that was leadership and I lost my temper because that's what leaders do. And you learn, oh, uh, no, no, it turns out that's not actually what leaders do. Um, and so little things like that. Now, my podcast um, is a conglomeration of all of the times that I got it right and all the times I got it wrong. And so let me share with you some of the times that I got it right. But more than anything, it's here are all the times when I got it wrong. And let me tell you a story about a time that I got it wrong and explain that and, and say that and say, here's what I learned. And maybe in your listening to the podcast, um, if you have some new lead, some new creative that you are leading, maybe um, 
I can help you go a little further faster and maintain the peace, maintain, <laughs> maintain your influence uh, with, with that creative that you are leading. So that's what I'm working toward with that. So it's, it's also sharing uh, leadership skills as well mm -hmm. and tips, um, which is great because I, I think um, when you are um, in the creative arts and the performing arts, you are tending to think about, and this is probably true of entrepreneurs as well, uh, nonprofit leaders as well, um, you're thinking about vision. Yeah. And vision isn't necessarily people. It's mm -hmm. idea, it's um, product, it's project, it's how does this look on the stage? Um, but in order to get that done, it turns out Soylent Green is people. Um, <laughs> you know, it turns yeah. out you have to work with people to get that done. And they're always going to have different input, different influences, um, different things they bring to the table. And then for me, it's also, you know, your audience response. Um, and that's one of the great things of having worked at Walt Disney World for as long as I did. Um, I, I keep, yeah, I have, like, it, it's still part of. <laughs> no, yeah, it, they, they can't take that away. They can't no, take my that away ID is in my car, just in case they need to call me, you know. Ready. ready to go. Ready yeah. to go. Um, but our, our, when I was there in the 80s in merchandise as a teenager, in the summer job, we talked a lot about guest service measurement. Mm. Um, that's what GSM meant back then. And um, it is measuring your audience, measuring their response. So even their response as, as a director and as a leader, you know, you have previews for a reason. Yeah. Because you want to receive the information from your audience yes. and make adjustments, or you want to say, mm, I'm standing by this. This is the way everyone hates it, but it is what we are doing. This is what we want. <laughs> and we don't tend to do that here so much. So, can you talk about that, about the difference between leading the vision and leading the people? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I love talking about this because um, I heard a question and it's, and <laughs> people think it's a trick question. It's not a trick question. Um, I heard a question years ago, what's more important, people or ideas? Uh, when you're starting something new, what is more important, people or ideas? And I've, I've sat in rooms and I've with, with a whole bunch of really smart people and I've asked this question, what's more important, people or ideas? And there's a debate, there's a discussion and people go back and forth about, well, no, ideas are more important because ideas are what attract people. And well, no, people are more important because blah, blah, blah. And they go back and forth and they go back and forth. Well, we can't, nobody's going to come along until you have a great idea. Okay. Like there's, there's a really good discussion and debate here, but the question remains, what is more important, people or ideas? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, well, where do ideas come from? ideas come from people. So you got to get the right people. You got to find the right people and you got to keep the right people. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, everyone, everyone, I don't care uh, what kind of company, what kind of um, product you are producing, what kind of business you lead. Um, everyone is a volunteer. Even if you're even if your business, your company is a for-profit whatever, even if you are paying them, everyone is a volunteer. Uh, now here's what I know about volunteers. Volunteers, um, they still 
want to do things well. They still want to do things with excellence and they still want to see things. They, they don't want to skimp. The reason that they raised their hand is because they wanted to help. And the reason that they, you know, applied for the job, um, you know, there, there are some jobs that, that people are just like, I just, just, everybody wants to do well. And it doesn't matter if you are being paid or if you are a volunteer. I know plenty of people who get paid lots and lots of money and they cut corners and they show up late and they leave early and they're being paid really, really well but they don't necessarily um, they, they don't necessarily bring it all of the time. So pay is not necessarily a, that's not gonna be an indicator of quality. Um, but then I also know volunteers who show up early and they stay late and they're there all the time and they're saying, how can I help, what can I do? Those are the people. So those are the people that you want. And then what if, my goodness, what if you paired that with those types of volunteers and then you start paying them? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what an amazing opportunity. But here's what I know. Um, and, and this is from the study that I have done, but uh, there are three things that motivate people, get people excited um, about the work that you would love for them to do. It's three things. It's autonomy, it's mastery, and it's purpose. Um, Autonomy being, I don't mind being told what to do. I do mind being told how to do it. So mm. Ooh, say that again. Say I don't again. mind being told what to do. I do mean I do mind being told how to do it. Okay. And uh, there's there's a great I, I subscribe very much to um, delegate outcomes. Don't delegate tasks. Delegate results. And say, hey, listen, here's what needs to be done. Um, a, a buddy of mine with his son, they have, uh, they have a front yard. And he said, all right, son, you've, you've reached the age where the front yard is now your responsibility. Here's what I want. It needs to be clean and it needs to be green. It needs to be clean and it needs to be green. That is what I want. I need, that needs to be maintained all summer long, clean and green. That is the vision for the for the front yard what he did not say was i want this kind of pattern with the with the lawnmower i want you know here's the here's Every the thursday at 10 exactly it, uh... didn't say any of that he said you know what I, all summer long it needs to be clean and it needs to be green so i don't care how you do it i don't care how you figure it out but you need to figure it out and it needs to be done delegated a result not delegated a task it wasn't a matter of hey can you cut the grass this week mm it was all summer long here's the vision here's the here's the goal make it happen so autonomy is the first thing and if you get leaders in place if you get you know people who want to contribute who have raised their hands they've raised their hand because they know they can help they raise their hand because they know they have a contribution but immediately as soon as you start going but here's how you're going to do it and if you're looking over their shoulder the entire time um you know, people don't need to be tightly managed. They need to be led and guided, but they don't need to be tightly managed. Good people. And and it does not matter how much you pay them. They will be, no. they <laughs> will take gone. that money yeah. and be finding their way out right. of that. Right. So that, that's autonomy. And then mastery. Uh, people want to know that the work that they are doing, that they are good at it. They want to know that they are. So give people the tools, the training to do the job well. And um you know, if, if somebody raises their, raises their hand and says, hey, is it cool if I, I know, can I use some budget to buy some, some training, to buy some, some books, to go to a conference? Yes, yes, please do. Yeah, do that. 
um, because you're going to put them in a, in a position as, in a setting where they can become great at what they're doing. They can master the skill. They can be masters in the work that they are doing. Um, and then the last part, of course, is um, so autonomy, mastery, and the last part is purpose. And purpose, we all just need to know um, that the thing that we are working on is bigger than us. The thing that we are working on is going to outlive us, is bigger, more important than us as individuals, and that we are part of a team. We've been accepted to work with a team on a project that is bigger than all of us. And if we can, it, when, when, when those three things are in place, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and um, a guy named Dan Pink was the, the one who came up with, with a lot of this study, but um, if, if we can run on all three of those cylinders and make all of that work and all of that go, um, it's, you're going to have kind of an unstoppable team. So when we're talking about leading vision and taking care of your people, if you're checking those boxes of autonomy, mastery, and purpose, it, uh, well, it just makes leadership a whole lot easier. Um, yeah. So vision, is, vision is the thing, but you need, you need people to get it done. And so vision is the idea. Uh, but people are the ones who are going to execute on it. I was, as I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, something that's very motivating to me is, is being affirmed in mm. my work. And so I was going to ask you where that fits, but it fits into every single one of these. If I had those three things, mm -hmm. I would be in a continual feedback loop of, I can see that my work, I see the results. Right. My work matters. I see that I've gained something. I, I can sense that my boss understands the power of my purpose. And yeah. there would be a continuous feedback loop of, yeah, well done, well done. Well, and I think paying attention, as a leader, paying attention to those things. And you can get into the minutia with the individuals uh, on your team and leading a team. Um, you know, I, I point to the, the love languages you know, there's a, uh, um, right. Yeah. Aside from uh, physical touch, uh, <laughs> when we're talking about uh, professional corporate world, uh, <laughs> let's remove physical touch from the conversation for just a little yeah, while. You can't even shake a hand anymore. Right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what is it? Is it words of affirmation? Is it, uh, you know, when the boss goes, oh my goodness, everybody gather around, you got to see this. Let me talk about all of the ways that this is amazing. And let me talk about all of the ways that Alice rocked this project. Can we talk about that? I'm a huge words of words of affirmation guy. Yeah, so I, I, so I'm with you. Um, but, but is it, um, is it acts of service? Is it, Hey, let me take you out to lunch. Let me, uh, can I, mm -hmm. can I, or that would be more of a, a giving of gifts or quality time, but like just paying attention yeah. to those things and asking your team, hey, you know, what, what makes you feel appreciated? Maybe it's not necessarily, um, you know, when we're talking about the love languages, it's not necessarily, you know, what makes you feel loved? And that's weird and awkward in a professional setting sometimes. But what, if you ask instead, you can go, hey, listen, I care about you guys. I care about this team. I care about the individuals. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I care about you. I want you to know that I'm paying attention. Can you help me and just just tell me what is the way that you feel appreciated? Just tell me. Yeah, it's a translation thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, can you t can you share with me uh, a time when you've been uh, leading or directing and and you felt that from your team? You felt that yes, you've had a great experience um, yeah. and seen that outcome. Absolutely. There, there's a team that I, I work with. Well, uh, you know, 
we we all I still talk in present day as though we're yes. all still creating theater, <laughs> which I think that we are. We're creating it in our minds. We're making plans for when the world reopens. Uh, yeah. I think there is going to be a renaissance of theater and art and and live performance that is just going to flood the world when the world opens back up. But Agreed. there's a team that I work with regularly. Um, and uh, it is Ashley and Jacob and Catherine. Um, Catherine is the choreographer. Jacob is the music director. Ashley is- Slash um, my roofer. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> Slash my roofer. <laughs> yes, uh, Jacob Haynes is his name. Shout out to Jacob Haynes. Uh, he is, oh, he's, he's fantastic. And he, he spends the majority of his time uh, making sure that everybody's houses stay houses, uh, but not too many- he's He's an, he's an incredible performer, musician. incredible musician. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I love just, I love working with him. Um, and uh, just because again, he, he understands what needs to happen, but also understands the, the kind of our strengths and our weaknesses necessarily, depending mm. on the show and the cast and everybody that working, we are working with, and he knows what the end result is supposed to be. Um, but I also, then I, I want to definitely shout out to um, Ashley Wilsey, yes. uh, who is just an incredible creative uh, she, oh my goodness, just, um, I'll link to her site as well. Oh, it's, she's, it's, it's she's amazing. She's a very she, gifted designer. Yes, she is. Um, she's, she's what many call a, uh, Swiss army knife of, of theater, Swiss, Swiss army knife of theater. Um, they're just, what do you need done? What do you need? She's, she knows somebody or she knows how to do it. Um, and so <laughs> I, I always, I always make sure that she is somewhere around and attached to the project, but definitely the projects that we have worked on, um, you know, and you go through some growing pains. Uh, when you first start working with each other, you you start learning each other. I I use a, a system that I refer to as kind of like the you know I'm the director of the project and I'm leading this team. I have a 51% vote uh, in all of these areas. I have a 51% vote. Now I'm not going to use that 51% vote very often unless I feel that it's very important, unless we are drifting from the mission, which by the way, I, then it's my responsibility as the leader to like, hey, right. let's all refocus on what we're trying to do here. Um, and oftentimes in doing that, people will raise their hand and go, oh yeah, my idea doesn't necessarily fit that. Okay, so we don't need to, we don't need to have that argument then. Right. Um, so, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll also say, but, but don't forget, you have a 49% vote in your area of expertise. 49% is a huge percentage of yeah. influence. And if you use all of that 49% with me, I'm gonna know that you care about this. I'm gonna know that it's important to you. And uh, there might be times when I'm gonna need to drop in with my 51, but if you're using all of your 49, then I know it's important and I need to double check why, why am I fighting so hard with my 51? So uh, that's kind of the, the language that we use. And it's a shorthand now of going, Rob, I'm dropping my 49% on this. I go, okay, <laughs> all right. Well then, you know what? Actually, let me take another look at it and see if I, if I need to use my 51. I, and, or I'll, or sometimes I'll go. Sorry, guys, we're done talking about this. I'm dropping my fifty-one. Yeah, and and that's that. So, but to answer your question, um, I absolutely because we have learned how to communicate with each other. We have learned. We went through, um, you know, uh, Patrick Lincioni's uh, five dysfunctions of a team, um, and kind of talked through that, discussed that, and the very first thing that that he talks about of the the of the five dysfunctions of a team the first thing that he talks about is a lack the first dysfunction is a lack of trust and 
if you don't have trust, you're not going to be able to move any further down the road uh, toward toward building a great team. You got to have trust. And I'll tell you, uh, these people, I trust them not only creatively, but I trust them, you know, personally with so much. Uh, you know, you're spending more time with these people when you're putting shows together. You spend more time with these people than you do with your family, than you do with your that you do it at your job. Sometimes, you know, you get into tech week, and that you know, <laughs> that's that is all that anybody is doing, and you're spending a lot of time with these people. So you have to have trust. And know that, um, you know, if, if in fact, you know, um, people's uh, uh, tempers get short um, or, you know, somebody just their, their, I should say their patience gets short and uh, somebody kind of snaps a little bit in a moment and you trust and go, it's okay. Uh, mm. I know, I know that we are still friends. I know that they're not actually mad. I know it's, it's the situation altogether, um, you know, and we can, we can address that later, but for now it's going to be okay. And that they also know, okay, I, I do, my patient, like raise your hand at the beginning of the night. Hey guys, I'm sorry. I didn't sleep well last night. I'm here. I'm ready to work, but I'm just letting everybody know. <sighs> I'm trying. Because you can trust, you can trust the because team. Because you can to trust be in the it. team. Exactly. So nice. those, uh, working with that team, working on those projects, um, we did, uh, uh, we, we worked on the Music Man together uh, all the way to um, uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame and Into the Woods and uh, Guys and Dolls and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And we, we just, uh, working with that team, creating these shows together um, is, uh, it's great. We love it. It's a joy. Yeah. So um, as we wrap up here, tell us where we can find you. Tell us about Blue Trumpet Creative oh. and... Uh, and and where you are right now. Yeah, so Blue Trauma Creative was something that uh, has been percolating for years and years and years, uh, but it was something that, you know, in my leadership, uh, sorry, in my study of leadership and creativity, um, some people said, hey, Rob, like, what are you doing with all that? Uh, like you're learning a lot about it, but but what are you what are you doing with all of that? And so, uh, some people came along and 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 said, well, you know, maybe you you need a, an avenue to share this. So that's where the podcast came from. Uh, but then in sharing the podcast, there were people who uh, <laughs> who were like, "Hey, Rob, this is really good, really good info. Really, this is really helpful. Um, uh, are you uh, are you making this available anywhere that like for teams and and for individuals and uh, you know can you can you help us out us? with some stuff? Yeah. Right. Can you coach us? Can you consult with us? Sure. So I started a company called Blue Trumpet Creative. Um, and uh, there's there's an episode of the Leading Creative Podcast that explains why it's called Blue Trumpet Creative. And I will uh, link to that because that is great storytelling and you should listen to it. Oh, thank you. Um, so, but yeah, but that's what that is. It's coaching, consulting, and creative development. Uh, coaching, I say it's, you know, it's creativity for leaders and leadership for creative, for, for creatives. And, um, and so I, that's, that's the coaching piece is kind of helping if you want to up your level of creativity or up your level of leadership or any ratio in between, then that's where the coaching comes into play. And then the consulting, I work with teams uh, to kind of those, a lot of the principles, as I said earlier, a lot of the principles of theater and production um, absolutely transferred to the business world. Um, and so I loved going and taking my knowledge and expertise and love and understanding of the theater world and bringing it to the corporate business world and going, hey, let me break down these roles and who's responsible for what. And let me show you how that applies to what you're doing here and how it can help you actually work a little bit better as a team and get things done a little bit better. You have an opening night coming and your opening night might be a product launch. Your opening night might be a website release. Your opening night might be 
restaurant opening. Uh, but there's going to be a whole bunch of things that need to come into play before that opening night. So let's let's take some of those ideas and transfer them. But then also the dirty little secret about the stuff that I've been studying is that there's a lot of stuff from the business and corporate world that also can help out the theater and creativity world. Yeah. And there's a lot of principles of business and leadership that I think that the theater world could learn from. So it kind of goes both ways. And so I love going to theaters and, uh, and helping out with those production teams and consulting with them. Uh, but then creative development I just I I know that I'm at my best when I have one foot on stage and one foot backstage and the coaching consulting actually is a performance for me I I love doing that I love sitting down with people and talking about the things that I love and uh, sharing those things with them and helping them discover the things that they were meant to do but then I also love when I say one foot on stage and one foot backstage I love the of course, the creative process, but the production process and uh, brainstorming and spark sessions and putting it all together and getting a plan to, together to go. Uh, I just I just put out there into the world. Um, one of the goals, one of the missions of Blue Trumpet Creative uh, is that we would start to direct, produce, create arena shows um, into stadium shows and eventually a, um, a, half a, a Super Bowl halftime show. And that's, that's, yeah. So like to just, I love working on that scale. I love working. I, I also love working on the, on the minimalist stuff. I love, you know, our town and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the very simple uh, theater and, and the, the kind of theater with found objects and all that stuff. I love that. But then I also love the size and scope of big stadium shows. So anything and everything in between, that's where creative development comes in. And that's where, that's what Blue Trumpet Creative is. So that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm doing. And it kind of came out of, okay, it was time. I literally, I got my letter of separation from the Walt Disney mm -hmm. Company. Um, and, uh, but then I was all set and ready to say, okay, let's pull, let's, let's get going on, on this. This is what's going to be, what's, what's going to be next. So, so that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm and, doing. And let me just say that was not a that was not a personal event. That was a global event. I was part of the 32,000. Yes. All of our friends. <laughs> I think maybe two of them did not get that letter. That's right. Well, yeah. My wife is back to work. She's yes, back, she's so back singing over there at Epcot, which is fantastic. Oh, so exciting. Yeah. So wonderful. So where can people find you? What's your website? Yeah, bluetrumpetcreative.com uh, for anything and everything that you would want to learn about that and about me. Uh, but then I also, of course, have my my podcast, Leading Creative Podcast. Um, and then on Twitter and Instagram at Rob A. Lot, one B and two T's. Great, yeah. great. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your thoughts. Thank you. Um, I, I, awesome. I love you. I love you, Alice. <laughs> you yeah, too. <laughs> I, I love doing this. Well, thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Rob Lott. A lot of great takeaways there, especially about how we impact our teams and what our teams want. And I really thought that applied to us as we think about our audience and how you're trying to reach your audience. So if what everyone wants is autonomy, mastery, and purpose, which I think is a really powerful thought, think about that that is what your audience wants. So when you're telling your story, how are you empowering to that? How are you letting them know that your story is going to serve them in helping them gain autonomy, mastery, and or purpose? So I thought that was really powerful. I had him repeat it twice. I don't mind being told what to do. I do mind being told how to do it. I thought that related to story too. 
how we invite our audience into the story. The old rule, such an important rule that I talk about all the time in my classes, show, don't tell. It's the hardest one. It's so hard to do. And it's hard to do in your leadership as well. Show, don't tell. So I thought that was really important for us as storytellers too. So you'll find a bunch of links on my website, alicefairfax.com, for this episode, including to uh, the conversation that Rob had uh, about his creation of Blue Trumpet Creative. And of course, I am going to appear on the Leading Creative Podcast next month in March. Uh, Rob will be hosting me, and so I'll be sure to share that with you as well. Be sure to visit alicefairfax.com slash checklist to download the free checklist, the five things your brand story needs, and start making an impact with your target audience. When you get the checklist, that automatically signs you up for my newsletter where you'll get first access to the Tell Your Story digital course. Thank you to Emmett Fan for the music global from YouTube Music.